So they produce the ebook or, you know, whatever it might be, video series or whatever, and they push it live and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and they don't understand why people aren't downloading it. And, and the big problem is they didn't do the research up front to find out if people are actually going online to look for that information. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital and inbound marketing. Brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. Welcome to Inbound Buzz. I'm your host, Moby Sadiq, wishing you very well, welcoming you to episode number 56. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular one, I appreciate you tuning in. If you are a regular listener, you'll know every second week I bring you an interview with an industry expert with actionable insights and advice, and today's guest is an absolute cracker. Arnie Ken from Vertical Measures is a speaker, author, and owner of his very own successful agency, and I had so much fun chatting with Arnie. It's fantastic to talk to another practitioner, someone who I've been looking up to and following for about three years, someone who, dare I say, I've profited off very well. We talk content, the problem with relying too much on keyword research and flawed tools, which was just an eye-opener for me, and the hub-and-spoke model of content, something I spoke about in the very first episode of Inbound Buzz last year. If you remember that, I love you for it. Remember, you can get links to any books, resources, blogs, and anything else Arnie discusses in the show notes, redpandas.com.au forward slash EP56, which you can now subscribe to, by the way. All right, let's get on with it and learn a thing or two from Arnie Ken. My guest today has been a mainstay in the digital marketing industry for the past decade. Arnie Kuhn is the CEO of Vertical Measures, a leading full-service digital agency in the US, a very popular speaker on the content marketing circuit, and an award-winning author. Mr. Arnie Kuhn, thanks for coming onto the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'll be appreciated. One thing I didn't realize before I jumped on is I should have checked your last name. I'm notorious <laughs> for getting people's last names wrong. So, did I say that okay? No, you didn't. But I did it. Here we go. Nobody would know. Nobody knows how to say it, but it's pronounced. It's simply pronounced Ken, like K E N, like a first name. And there you go. Yeah. We're off to a, we're off to a cracking start. There we go. Okay, now I first heard of Vertical Measures um, from a concept that I believe you guys developed or refined um, back in 2015. Now, um, called the Hub and Spoke model of content. And in fact, our very, very first episode, the very first episode of Inbound Buzz I ever did, I referred to that concept. So thank you for the years of, you know, I've been writing off that concept for years, so I thank you. Um, for the listeners who don't know about it, can you tell us what it is and, and, and why it's such a, a good concept for content marketing? Sure. Uh, I hope I can do this uh, verbally and give it justice, but uh, uh, it's something we came up with actually probably... I wish we would have heard of it sooner because I think we developed it around 2012, something like that. Um, really, actually, probably really started to push it out about 2014, 2015. But the I, really the the genesis for it was we were uh, sitting around here at, at Vertical Measures trying to figure out how could we make this somewhat complex content marketing, you know, model 
simpler and easier for our clients and others to understand. And so uh, I, I don't remember exactly how, how the idea came out, but we basically thought, thought and, and ended up with this hub and spoke. So the, the concept is you create a hub piece of content. Uh, so just like a you know wheel with spokes, it's the center. And it could be ideally it's something that someone's willing to give some information for. So they're willing to exchange their name and maybe their email and maybe uh, they're interested in purchasing within X amount of months or whatever. Um, and so most commonly people think of it as an ebook. It could be several training videos. It could be uh, a white paper, case study, whatever it might be that's of real value that someone's willing to exchange that, that, that currency, you know, th their information to get it. And so uh, basically the model is you think of that first and then you start to plan out all of what we call then the spokes to help promote it. So let's say you decide to launch this uh, free guide on um, nursing, uh, a degree, uh, a career in nursing. So because uh, you know, you're, you know, whatever, a school that that, uh, that offers nursing programs, whatever it might be, or you're a hospital or whatever. So you create this career guide. And then generally, we say for the next two to three months, most of the content you create on your blog or your social media platforms or whatever have the intent of pushing traffic back to that hub piece of content. So the, so the spokes could be everything from blog posts to press releases to uh, Facebook updates, tweets, um, uh, video on YouTube, uh, you know, so on and so forth, all helping – all with a call to action to help get people back to this guide to download it because that's when you now have a lead and you can start taking things from there. Mm, I, I like that too. On so. the agency side, um, the agency I run now and the one I used to work for, why we loved it so much and why we, I continue to like it is that, like I said, I've been writing off your concept for years, so I probably owe you some royalties or something. <laughs> 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 Offline, we will talk about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why, why I loved it and because the problem is, when, you know, when you go to a client or even as an in-house marketer, you're like, oh, we've got to develop this ebook. So for the next three months of my life, I'm not going to do nothing else but develop this ebook. So to your point, you can actually retro you kind of you can kind of do it the other way around too can't you like if you plan it out you can start releasing those chapters or segments of that ebook um kind of piecemeal and once they hit the 10 or 12 that you needed you can turn them into an ebook so we we loved it because for a client you could say okay you're actually writing to some end there is a method to this madness here um so that's always that is that a good way to look at it as well is that a way your clients or you guys have used it in the past uh, we, not very often, actually, because the, I, what we would do is instead say, let's let's put all the energy into creating that ebook. And I know it's it's frustrating, but you set a deadline and you hopefully make your editorial goals and you get it written. And then we'll do the opposite of what you just said. We'll take chapters and paragraphs and images and you know things that are already in that ebook, and then we'll start posting the blog posts afterwards, so that we can point them back to the big piece that that where we want the downloads. Where I think if you if you and I, I do know that pe there are people that have written books in the style you said where the you know they'll, they'll uh, think ahead of time of the 12 chapters they want or you know however it's you know whatever this this big piece of content's going to be and they'll start writing it and then at the end they put them all together in a package and now they have their ebook uh, the, the, my my uh the, the, what I think might be wrong with that that strategy is that you've been publishing this content leading up to it, but it, you can't promote it because it's not published yet. So all of that content is, you know, it's true and it's, it's 
good and it's valuable on your site, but it doesn't. It's not uh, able to have that call to action until months later when that ebook's published. And then you have to go back and maybe retro add the call to action. So I would I would just flip it around if you want like the full benefit of the whole hub and spoke model. Right. Do it properly. Do it. Put all your energy into it, and then go from there. Right. Okay. And then then market it from there. Right. Can you retrofit the hub and spoke model? So, for instance, have you ever, or do you recommend? Say, you might have content that works because sometimes you just don't know, right? Like, you know, some of us have been doing this for years. You just don't know what's going to work well. So, say if you released a bunch of a bunch of posts or a video, and you've looked back and you've been like, "Oh, damn, that actually worked really, really well." Maybe I turned that into a hub in its own right. Is is that possible? Does that work? Oh, that's absolutely possible. Sure, sure. Um, you know, anything that allows you to generate some nice content that, you know, ultimately, you know, what I, what I think we're talking about mostly here is, you know, gating some kind of content so people uh, have to give you uh, information to get it and that becomes your lead for your lead nurturing program. You know, there's rules of th- uh, thumb out there too are people who believe that, hey, you know, we're, we're not going to gate anything or you know, have to decide what you're going to gate and what you're not going to gate. In this case, yeah, you might look back and say, I could package the, all of this up pretty quickly create this download whatever it might be you know ebook or case study or whatever and uh, then put it if you want behind a gate so that they have to give you that information and so you've just kind of flipped the, the workload and made it easier for you on the back end so there's that's absolutely a valid strategy awesome awesome um so you obviously speak a fair bit i, I don't know how you do everything you do because you seem <laughs> you seem to be everywhere <laughs> um, I, I'll ask you about that. Actually, I want to ask you about that again as well. But a, sure. a video I came across, um, which I'll share, I'll embed in the show notes. You talk about the six types of content you, you must produce. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And in that, you lead with um, uh, downloadable content. Now, you, you've already kind of touched on it before, but I'd love to kind of unpack the concept of downloadable content. Does it still work? And in your opinion, what's the difference between those who are doing it well and you you, do, you guys do it well, you see your clients doing it well every day, between those people who say, you know, Arnie, look, ebooks just aren't working for us. We've tried them. Uh, we want to try something else. So what's the difference between those two groups? Well, you know, if that if I had those two groups, I'd have to ask that second one. Uh, you know, I have to look at what it is that they're producing and how they're promoting it to find out why it's not working for them. Um, I would say in gen- – in fact, it's a lot of my uh, speeches and actually stuff that – there's others that are uh, organizations that are out speaking as well. Now we're – this year, 2017, we've pretty much focused a lot of our talks on – it's either called – from failure to success with content marketing or from frustration to success with content marketing or whatever, because we're, mm. we're seeing that where people have put in what they think is a, you know, and probably is a legitimate good effort, but they're not seeing the results. And oftentimes we'll see that they are not producing uh, enough content or they're not producing, and this is my, my pet peeve, they're not producing content that people are actually searching for. And so my guess would be if I went and looked at that ebook they produced and maybe some of the promotional content around it, they may have guessed at, oh, you know, I can, I have been in so many meetings where people have said, oh, wouldn't this be a really cool idea? Wouldn't people just love this? And they don't have any data to back that up. 
but they're in love with the idea. So they produce the ebook or, you know, whatever it might be, video series or whatever, and they push it live and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and they don't understand why people aren't downloading it. And, and the big problem is they didn't do the research up front to find out if people are actually going online to look for that information. Mm. And, and that's one of the keys. Right, the research. I had a question for later, but I'm going to yeah. jump, jump it in now because I think it links quite well. So um, when you say research, are you talking about uh, keyword research, uh, You know, asking the sales reps? You know, what does that research piece look like? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. I start usually with keyword research, but that usually goes really quick because most companies know what their money phrases are, you know, the most important phrases and what, you know, how, how most people find them in a quick search. Mm. So you start there. But two things that we teach uh, in our ideation process process uh, is to uh, go online and, and use tools that you have or uh, should have anyway if you're really serious about being in this business to find – you can discover what – questions basically people are actually searching for online so i and i don't care what it is i don't care if you're buying a new pair of shoes or a uh, a bulldozer or maybe sales automation for your uh, business you know uh, not, uh actually i think the study is it's uh 90 what i forget this i think it's 91 or 92 percent of the time before we make that purchase, we go to a search engine and we investigate it by asking a few questions. And so those are the that's where you want to capture this person. You want to be the answer when they're searching for it online. And if you haven't phrased the title of your content that way or looked at it as being an answer to that that problem or question that 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 searcher has, it's probably going to be your competitor who's doing it and that's where they're going to wind up. Uh, and I noticed you brought up the sales thing there, uh, which uh, I'll comment on now too, that some of the most valuable information you have is by going and talking to your sales force and asking them what questions do they get asked every day. They're the ones out talking to the prospects and, and maybe the clients afterwards. And, and generally in a week, they get asked the same questions over and over again. And what we tell our clients is most likely people are, are actually online searching for those questions way before they talk to your salespeople because we don't want to talk to salespeople. So we're online trying to find any way to avoid human contact. We're doing all this research online. And that that is what content marketing is all about. I think marketer's hunch is a real problem. I mean, yes. even... <laughs> Right. I mean, it, even myself, you know, like uh, you might be the target audience of a different area. Or um, I was in a I was in a workshop yesterday where uh, a, a client of mine is looking at developing, you know, teaching and learning material, and I kept talking about you know video marketing and content marketing. And even me at one point, I thought, you know what? But maybe they don't call it that. Maybe they just want to know how to create video and learn and know how to create articles. Maybe they don't call it these things. So. Right. <laughs> um, I, I, every time I walk in, I try to tell myself, okay, how do I take off marketer's hunch? How do I take that, that off? Do, do you see that as, as quite prolific? Because it's amazing how many people think, oh, I think this might work. Oh, I think it's, I think it's a huge problem. I, I think I, I, I feel like I've been fighting it for five years in, 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 internally and ex, you know, with our clients and prospects that, that it's, it's so easy to fall back on that. And I, I've done it myself many times where, you know, we'd be talking about, uh, let's do a post for new year's or, you know, or, you know, whatever it is, whatever the, the reason is that kind of gets the conversation going. 
And eventually, because it's easy, right? You, you, but it'll, I'll call it devolving. It kind of devolves into this, oh, wouldn't that be cool? Oh, we should do this. Oh, we should do that. And, and because that's exciting and fun and that's brainstorming and all that. But in the end, even if you, even if you follow that kind of a brainstorming method, I, I always say before you produce that piece of content, take what you think the title's going to be. Whatever title you have just fallen in love with. And first, just imagine would anyone actually search for that title online? And, and if you still think yes, then go ahead and add that – type that title into Google and see what comes up. See what happens. See if – and then then you can use tools like SEMrush or Moz or whatever and, and see if there's any kind of search volume for those things. And, and you'll just find out if people are interested in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that's the thing. It's, it is real tempting to get caught up in that, you know, that excitement and, oh, wouldn't this be neat? And I will tell you, every time I've done it, it's never worked. <laughs> no. That's some of, our, some of our worst performing content. It humbles you very quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's hard to just uh, stick with – you know, if, if you're – you know, if you're Coca-Cola or, you know, some big brand and you've got money that you're going to create a commercial around or – you know, uh, you can actually make things go viral. But for most of the people that you and I talk to every day, you know, they don't have those kinds of budgets. Uh, they've got to make this work. And that's when you have to be so disciplined and stick with what might seem like boring content, but it's stuff that actually works. Mm, absolutely. See, an, an obvious answer to that question might be, and people might be, uh, you know, yelling this out wherever they're listening to this. It's like, oh, personas, personas. But and and this is an interesting one, and, and Arnie, I'd love to have this conversation with you. I mean, there's no answer, real answer to this, but even with personas, there is an inherent bias, and marketers' hunch can creep into it very, very, very quickly. Um, and I I say that because I know I've I've stepped into organisations where I've said, okay, you know, let's look at your personas. Like, oh, yeah, we've got that. Yeah, but let, let's really kind of go. Oh, no, no, we've got that, and it's done. But then you you kind of unpack it, and you realise they actually. They haven't really tried to speak to these stakeholders. And I know I'm not saying everyone goes out and does market research. We can't all aff- uh, afford that. Mm-hmm. But in, in your mind, what are one or two keys to remove marketers' you know, bias or, or hunches from the persona creation process? Well, that's a heck of a question. Uh, and you're right. It's a tough answer because uh, – you know, I tend to like. A, you've already gotten the hint. I tend to stick with the basics, and I, I do believe in personas. But I think the what I would, if I had a very limited budget, a medium or small size business, what I would focus on is figuring out what we've already talked about. What are client? What are our prospects and clients searching for online? And who cares, in essence? What, what what the persona is behind that? Who cares what what age they are, what race they are, what you know, what demographic they fit into? Mm-hmm. If they're moving down the sales funnel the way that you think they are, and so I recommend the next thing you need to do is figure out what is this the path, you know, what is your your buyer's journey, and then once you know those things, then yes, I think you do need to try to figure out you know maybe a handful of personas so that when you're content team or whoever it is that's creating your content they know who to write this for you know but the persona to me is not at the top of the, you know you're not trying to figure this out before you start you're trying to figure this out or you're trying you, you have to have the persona but you don't add it into the mix until you've defined uh, the various stages of the sales funnel and, and how you want to approach them and then write the content for those personas absolutely i'm sure this is an area you probably workshop over half a day or even a day and, and 
you know, we, we won't do it justice here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. the, the mapping of the buyer's journey and that process, um, what are, what, what's, what's a, I guess, a hack version of that? What's the best way? Is it simply just speaking to your sales reps? Is there anything to keep in mind when one is defining the buyer's journey for themselves? Yeah, you're right. I, can't, I probably can't do this justice off the top of my head. Um, I, I do know Content Marketing Institute, which many of your uh, listeners probably uh, are aware of or, or at least could look up, Content Marketing Institute. I know they wrote a great post on this. I don't, I don't know how what keywords to give you to find it, but they had a little ch- chart, a table that says, you know, here's the kinds of content that work really well in the awareness phase. Uh, here's the kind types of content that work well in the uh, research phase. And then... Uh, how are you define the last stage, but basically when they start to become a customer, mm-hmm. here's the kind, of, kind of content they're looking for. If you just take some time to think about that, it'll start to be apparent, I think, for all the listeners, whatever business they might be in, uh, the kinds of content. So you can imagine if I'm searching out price, you know, if I'm looking for how much does this cost or how what's the price for this or, you know, whatever, I'm probably further in the funnel. Or if I'm doing something like, um, let's say I'm buying a television. So if I'm doing a piece of research, if I'm typing into Google or whatever the search engine might be, if I'm typing in um, L, uh, LG 55-inch LED TV versus Samsung. So if I'm doing the comparison, you know, versus or comparison, well, I'm further in the funnel as opposed to content that might be, uh, what's the best uh, LED TV on the market, right? I haven't mm. narrowed down the size. I haven't narrowed down the brand or anything like that. Um, and then a little further in the font down very close to a purchase might be someone who's li- literally typing something like Samsung 55-inch LED reviews, right? I mean, you can just, you know, you can picture based on what I'm describing, you can almost picture someone moving through that funnel. And when they're doing that kind of a search, um, you need to have that content because they're pretty darn close to making a decision mm, absolutely so thinking about all the different the different steps and just right. what are the decisions they'd be making there fantastic yep. it's amazing exactly. it's amazing how um because i, lo- I love I, you kind of you know i, I want to pull something out of that you, you're touching on okay if someone's looking for example it might be let's look at an, a very niche industry right maybe fluid uh management for uh Obviously, I don't know this industry very well. well <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid already. <laughs> <laughs> it's not starting off very well. Uh, fluid management for oil and gas in the, you know, I don't know, LNG kind of industry, right? Very, very niche, you know, fluid management, LNG in a particular area, in a particular location. There are obviously people looking at the decision stage for that piece of content, and particularly in, in the B2B side. Um, I find one thing that distracts people, it's like, oh, but nobody's really searching for that. But it's not just about volume, is it, Arnie? There's different content for different stages, and I think that's what people forget. They try to go after the big terms, you know, oil and gas fluid management. But what about the, the, the maybe five or ten people searching for it a month um, that are in decision stage? So that there's different content for different objectives, isn't there, Arnie? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'll tell you, we, we, we created a post of our own on our site about this because I was getting so frustrated with, in essence, having this conversation. <laughs> but, you know, where people would do, follow our follow our ideation steps, they would find a uh, hundred different kinds of uh, pieces of content ideas that they wanted to write about. 
and we would we we teach this, you know, put it in a in a in a spreadsheet. You're basically starting to build out your editorial calendar, and then do some research. And generally, they want to research. Uh, absolutely, I think you should research if it's a uh, if this title is already covered by your competition online. But then the other thing is to naturally say, well, I want to make sure people are actually looking for this content. And so, what has been frustrating for me is the the tools like SpyFu or SEMrush or even Moz, or certainly Google. AdWords where you can go in and they'll say, oh, this is how many searches per month this phrase gets. And I, we finally created a piece of content to kind of debunk all this. Uh, and, and because people would say, well, Arnie, you just told me that, you know, like your, your uh, uh, fluid example for the LNG industry, you know, you, if you, if you looked in uh, any of those tools, it would probably say there's zero or 10 or 20 searches a month, right? It would mm. just be nothing. Well, we have found all sorts of examples. It's actually easy to find where someone has actually had the courage to create that piece of content you just described and post it. And even though the tools will tell you there's only 10 searches a month, lo and behold, a few months later, they find out a thousand people have read that piece of content. And so it says a couple of things. It says that one, those tools are just making some estimates based on thin data, and they probably have never really checked out that entire title. The other thing is, is the search engines are really good at, at bringing people, an audience to a piece of content like that due to very similar searches or semantic related searches. So you're getting people coming to that site that might not even be typing any keywords, or I'm sorry, to that page that are t not typing any keywords that are specifically in that title, but the search engines know that this is what your intent is. And we see that over and over. So I keep telling people, if you know, so if your salespeople are telling you people are doing that search, create that content. And yeah, it might, might not work every single time, but that's, what you, that's where you need to be because that's where your audience is. I think that's great. That's a great answer. Absolutely. You know, they're, they're passing that information. They're, they're, I mean, even Google AdWords Planner, right, used to be the staple of many um, SEOs and content marketers. Even that's not working the way it used to. No, so not at all. No. Yeah. So I, I've kind of, you know, informally kind of touched on, you, you have this eight-step methodology um, where you've refined and this was worked for you and your clients and this is, a process you've developed and refined over time that works has worked time and time again and i've kind of touched on the elements already you know you talk about strategy development ideation content creation all the way through distribution and lead nurture mm -hmm. um, on the lead nurture and measurement side is there anything that you've noticed in you know 2017 content changing at all from a lead nurturing side and if it if it hasn't if if, the, if it's the same sort of thing you guys have been doing for years what are the winners doing there from a lead nurturing and, and, and measurement side when it comes to their content well I'll, I'll be briefer on this answer than probably all my other answers and i will say what's uh, the winners what they're doing different is they're actually doing it um, you and i probably have a ton of clients that we know that May, but maybe even doing a good job of lead generation, and yet they do not have good lead nurture set up uh, once someone actually 
raises their hand and says, hey, I'm kind of interested in you and what you do. Uh, I just, I cannot tell you how many clients we have that do not have an effective, and basically it boils down to email, right? I mean, that's that's the most popular method of nurturing leads and it's probably still the most effective. I mean, there's other things you can do, but basically once you have a lead, there's pr- you know pretty much two ways to reach them and it's over the phone or via email. Um, and I don't know, I don't even know how to guess, but I'd say more than half of our clients do not have a good effective lead nurture program set up at all. And I don't know why it's so hard to convince them to do it because the ones who do it, it really pays off. Yeah. Because it wasn't such a short answer. No, it's a, no, no I like it. Do it. You know, it's, it's your right. own. Have, I think I think people don't get that far in the maturity model. You know, a lot of clients yeah, are maybe struggling. Not. Right. Yeah. Just because that comes in time, doesn't it? You develop your strategy. You you get good at it. You have to have consistent content. Then you have content that feeds the funnel. Then at the various stages, um, which brings me to another thought of mine. Why do you think so many people give up? after a couple of months of content? Well, that's probably obvious, but, <laughs> but I appreciate you stepping me up with that question. <laughs> but I mean, I think that, you know, we're, we're used to uh, seeing quick results in, in almost every other form of marketing, you know, advertising, whatever you want to call it. You know, I don't care if, if you run television ads, radio ads, you put out a, a print ad, pay-per-click for sure. You know, you, you write your check, the ad rolls out, and within days or minutes sometimes, you can already start to see results, right? The, the, and, and, and the difference you know, there is content marketing takes so much discipline. And we're, we're constantly talking about, you know, to the executive teams that this really does take courage. And it is, you know, my, my best, and, and I'm sure this example has been given many, many times, but the difference is it's, it is between if are uh, renting the house or owning the home. You can move, you know, if you want to rent the home, you can move in, you know, next week, put your deposit down, move in and rent the home. When you quit paying rent, you have to get out of the house, right? Um, and that's how ads are. You quit paying for pay-per-click or anything else and you're done. The leads stop. Where if you can take the whatever it takes, six to 12 months to build the house, you now own it. And that content you've created over all those months doesn't go away. And it takes a good disciplined approach truly believe that and to keep going because it will not work in two or three months it never does that's right instant gratification i blame yep. snapchat yeah oh, you're right exactly I, I could have just said that right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you said it but that's what came to my mind um arnie i've been meaning to ask you this ever since i stumbled across your free book and i'll link to that and that's the same book that's oh, got sure, the eight thanks. steps to transform yep. your business uh, i've just been curious ever since i read it how important or how fundamental has that been to the growth of your business and you as a speaker? Maybe it hasn't done anything, but I've always wanted to know what has that book done for you? You've put out a book, you've gone to, it's a hundred, excuse me, it's 167 pages. You've gone to that effort and you've given it away for free. Has it been worth it? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Conferences tend to like to hire speakers that have, that seem to have something on Amazon, you know. So if it, you know, hopefully, usually it's a form of a book. So a couple of books really help get uh, the speaking. Um, I think that also having it as a download, well, it's a lead, right? I mean, uh, so we're exchanging that value, giving you that 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 book in exchange for you giving us your your name and your your email, and then we do 
nurture those leads. So uh, from those couple of standpoints, it, it I will tell you, as you're writing, I don't know if you've written a book, but as you're writing it, you, you I mean, it's it's painful and you just <laughs> think, my God, why am I doing this? <laughs> and uh, I'm, uh, you know, since the last one was out, put out, uh, what, about 18 months ago, I had forgotten about the pain. So I instantly tell you, yes, it's worth it. Uh, but, uh, you know, but yes, if we actually look at a real ROI, it has been more than worth it. Fantastic. It's like a long road trip. You do one, then a year or two later, you forget how painful it was. and you do Yeah, exactly. Again, so. <laughs> yeah. And I've had a few ladies tell me it must be a lot like pregnancy. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> I, think, I think it's probably delivering a baby, you know, same thing. It's almost, yeah. almost as hard. My wife's going to hate me for saying that, but it's almost as hard. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Andy, final question for you. Sure. And, um, you know, all the kind of speakers or thought leaders who I speak to, and this is an admitted self-interest kind of selfish question. Thought leadership, right? You know, you, you're on many stages now, and I really hope to see you one day live. What are some of your tips there? Like, you know, you've obviously you weren't booked on day one. You've had to build up your name and get to that point where you're in demand. And I know, again, it's not easy. But what are one or two tips you would share for someone like me trying to get? onto that circuit and trying to develop long-term thought leadership? A lot like content marketing, right? Uh, you know, I think I started this, well, I started the agency 11 years ago, uh, probably really started to think about, okay, let's step to the front and try to be a thought leader here maybe eight or nine years ago. And it all started with blogging and blogging and blogging, knowing no one was reading it, but I had to keep you know writing. So I wrote uh, for our own blog. I wrote for as many other publications as possible. And, you know, it's not easy. I, most of the time I had to do my, you know, my agency work during the day and at night is when I would write. Um, and then eventually I just started speaking at the, like the local association kind of stuff, the, you know, things that were happening in the Phoenix area, which is where we're based um, and getting practice there and, you know, just kept going to bigger and bigger and bigger events. Uh, but the other thing is, in the beginning, you are really pitching most of the events. You know, it's outreach, so you're you're out. You have to make contact. You have to pitch them. You have to follow up. You've got to get somebody to to say yes, and then you know, gradually you build a portfolio. But it's not something that you can just say next year I'm going to be a thought leader on this. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You you have to really build towards it. Awesome, Arnie. Thank you so very much. It's going to be both a, a good thing and a bad thing when I see you. A good thing because it will be great to finally meet you and a bad thing because I'll have to hand you over a check. So, thanks for, <laughs> well, thanks for, <laughs> for bankrolling my strategies. Arnie, thank you Absolutely. so very much. Keep doing no what you're doing. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's very amazing, inspiring to watch. All right. Well, thank you very much, Louis. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.